This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 207 of the Laravel News Podcast. Today is January 31st, 2024, or February 1st, 2024, if you happen to be in the Upside Down, that is the Aussie land. Michael, how's it going, my friend? Going very well, very well. Can't believe it's Good. February already. And I know, it's it's hard to believe the the, uh, the year is going quick and... Uh, uh, my, my oldest son, um, he... Uh, finished his last basketball game of the season tonight so the basketball season is over which is sad because sad. you know it's such no a fun basketball. time of it's year and watching basketball yeah exactly so anyway yeah no it's it's can't believe it the year is going quick it is going quick last last time we were together we did a rapid fire episode and i actually thought that was kind of fun that was, hmm. was kind of cool uh, i listened back to it and just i liked it it was it we was good it. we got through everything i think everything got its got its time and we can do it again yeah I, you know, honestly, I, I'm okay with doing a little bit quicker. Um, I think it's good. I think nobody like the, nobody uh, reached out to me and complained about the pace of the I, of the I, delivery. So I agree. I agree. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into it then. Laravel ten forty one. Conditional job chains, a number spell threshold, configurable model prune paths, and more. So this week the Laravel team released ten dot forty one. Uh let's talk about what we've got here. Add a, I think actually this is misspelled. It should be add an until, right? A-N, right? If you have, if it's coming before a word with a vowel, right? Mm -hmm. Add an until and after threshold to the number spell helper. Kane DeSilva contributed a threshold parameter to this number helper method. This is something we talked about on one of the last releases. Um, so you have number, uh, which is in this, it's eliminate support number. Uh, so number dodop, remember dodop, that's double colon, mm -hmm. number dodop spell. And then you put the le the actual number that you're wanting to spell out as the first argument. So eight. And then as the second argument, you can pass until. So what this does is it basically says whatever numbers in the first argument there, spell it out unless it's more than X number of characters, right? In this case, until 10, right? So if you put eight and then 10, it's going to say eight, no problem. Um, if you put the number 12, though, and put after three or something like that, it's going to, um, well, actually, you know what? Let me think about this. Hold on. 20 until 10. Am I thinking about this right? Sets a limit for how high numbers are spelled out. So spell them out oh, until oh, oh, the number 10. Yeah, until you only, the number 10. Sorry, I thought it was 10. a character limit. I got you. No, no. I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the first one is the number, and then the second one is how many are you? What's the upper limit on when you want to stop spelling them and start actually putting out the numbers? So that's mm -hmm. that's what it is. Sorry, sorry, Kane, Kane to Silva, my bad. So there's that one. All right, specify a model path with a model prune command. This is really powerful. Um, it used to be that there was um, quicksand. I think is Titan who created that one quicksand where it was like it would prune off certain models for you after they were a certain age or whatever. But this is included with Laravel by default now, which uh, you can define a prunable um, method on a model and you include a prunable trait. And then in your command line, you run model prune, 
Um, you just set it up and you can schedule that and it'll run every night or every day or whatever you have. And it'll loop over all of your prunable models and prune them for you, which is pretty cool. But uh, DBHYNDS, DibHinds, contributed the ability to define custom paths to use with the model prune command. So if you have a path that isn't typical for your models, if you store them in a different location, you can now pass a dash dash path argument to that to that PHP artisan model prune. Um, you can also pass multiple directories to the path option if you have models in various places. So um, you can do so with an array. Um, and there you go. So if you happen to store your, your models in different different location than, than uh, the default, you can always pass that. We use this all over the place, by the way. It's really good. Allow job chains to be conditionally dispatched. Frankie Jarrett contributed two methods to the pending chain class, which enables conditional dispatching a job chain uh, using the if and unless style methods. So um, dispatching the chain uh, unless a condition is false would be you have bus, chain, and then you have the jobs. And then you say dispatch if, so instead of dispatch, at the very end of this chain, you say dispatch if, and then you can pass like a closure or a truthy statement. Um, or you have also the same sort of deal, but instead of dispatch if, you have dispatch unless, where it can do a truthy check on a uh, closure or a a statement you're passing in there as well. Um, Pitor Adam, uh, hold on, Adamsic. Close. Pior Adamsic. The, the C is a CH, just to be. Chick, chick. That's right. I did know that. I had a friend, <laughs> uh, Jeff Nowachik, N O W A C Z Y K. Very chick. I forgot it was the chick. Uh, Pyotr uh, Adamchik contributed an optional base argument. Uh, to the stringable to integer method, which allows you to specify a base value other than the underlying int val's default of 10. Um, I think this is, so like the different modulus operators, I think is what this is talking about. So if you wanted to do an int val with a base of 16, um, you could do that. Or, or like if you're dealing with hex data, right? So a base is like a base two is binary, right? We use base 10, uh, but you could pass base 16. Actually, I think the Phoenicians used base 12, if you can imagine that. You're right. Back in the day. It's a weird, it's a weird deal. It's it's hard to wrap your head around those different base numbers. Base, you know, binary, I think we get 16, we sort of get everything and 10, obviously we get, but anything outside of that is a little bit weird. Any case, mm-hmm. you can now pass a second value to int val uh, to change the base that you are using to get that integer. Okay, that's it for 10.41. Whew, good one. Let's go to 10.42. Beauty. 10.42, our fearless leader, Eric Barnes, has put together a video version of this that you can get through in under one minute. But for us, in an audio format, we will read it all out. First up, Tim McDonald contributed the ability to configure a global def- configure global default options for the HTTP client in a service provider. So you can call HTTP colon colon dot dot global options and then pass things like timeouts and connect timeouts and all of that good stuff in one place. So if you wanted to enforce that across the application, you can do that in one convenient location. And if you call the global options method more than once, it will override the global configuration on subsequent calls. So it's something to be mindful of either doing it intentionally or unintentionally. Next up, Steve Borman contributed a string unwrap method, which you can use to unwrap strings. This is useful if you have uh, quoted things, you want to remove double quotes from strings. If you're parsing out 
um, for example, CSV or JSON or something like that, you can get it to remove the you know, braces or you can get it to remove quotes and so on and so forth. We've got D. Nagy Gago contributed the ability to configure multiple routes at once for on-demand notifications. So this allows you to call something like on your notification facade, the routes method, and then pass mail, vonage if you're doing SMS or, or phone, and any other channels in one rather than having to pass that as separate options or, or, or make multiple calls to the notification facade. Daniel Mason contributed a job queuing event to the framework that is fired before a job is sent to the queue provider. So this allows you to, to kind of listen to those events. It might be useful if you want to add some of that metric tracking into Pulse. It might be if you're listening to those events for other reasons as well. So this is an event that will be fired automatically and it will give you the connection name that the job was fired on, the job class itself and the payload that was sent along with it. Thanks to Daniel for that one. And lastly, in this release, Jeremy Angeli contributed a max length validation rule to the password rule object, which is useful when you're defining a default password rule. So this is to set an upper limit to the length of your password string. So this is using the password facade. So you'd say password uh, min and max or uh, so before you would have to pass max colon 32 in the rules method. Now you can just call max and pass 32 as an option directly. So just one of those developer experience changes. So thanks to Jeremy for that. That is all for Laravel 10.42. Very nice. Um, if you've never used Laravel Scout before to provide uh, a really great real-time as you type search experience, you should definitely check it out. It's pretty nice. There's a lot of different drivers that are uh, available for Laravel Scout. Um, but there's been a new one that's been added, which is TypeSense. So this provides a lightning-fast open-source search. Um, let, let's talk about the differences here because there's there's... Like Algolia, you know, you can use Algolia, which I think is kind of what we shipped Scout with. There's mm -hmm. Elasticsearch. Uh, one that we are using right now is Melee Search, which has been really good. I'm very pleased with how that one has worked. TypeSense is the new player here. So let's let's kind of talk about TypeSense. TypeSense is a modern, privacy-friendly, open-source search engine that's meticulously engineered for performance and ease of use. So what's neat about this is you can install it and run it as part of your local development environment um, using this Linux package or Docker on Mac OS or Windows platforms. Uh, so they have a whole section of their documentation that's dedicated to helping you get that up and running. And then on the Laravel Scout side, the Scout documentation includes the instructions for configuring TypeSense for Scout. Uh, but in the blog post here, there's a simple example of using TypeSense to modify search parameters dynamically using the Scout model search. Um, so again, if you've not looked into Scout before, it is really nice. And so what you can do with Scout is you can just hook it up to a model that you have in your application, and then you can define what fields you would like to push into, um, these locations that are going to help provide real-time search. And then on the model itself, if you're wanting to search for it, you just say the model name. So like, and if we're using a to-do model, as an example, you'd say to-do, dodop, double colon, search and then the search parameter, right? And that's it. Really, really nice. And it's really fast. It could not be easier. Uh, this stuff, you used to have to do these sort of bespoke integrations with things like Algolia and stuff. I mean, they had some documentation, but this just makes it super simple. You just pop in the uh, composer package, the typesense-php composer package, and then you um, set the driver and you're done. So mm -hmm. 
The other things that there are that are different on on these uh, these couple, and I'll I'll send this to Michael to throw in the show notes. There's a type sense versus Algolia versus Elasticsearch versus Melee Search, a a whole comparison table to give you like an objective side by side comparison. And um, the things that I'm looking at here is that type sense can hold up to like 24 terabytes of stuff. Instant searches you type experiences for data sets that can fit in 24 terabytes. So that's just huge, right? The the next largest one, I think, is Algolia, which is 128 gigabytes in size. So if you're using really large sets of data that you need to do instant searches you type experience, um, this might be the best one for you. Um, there is a bunch of other comparison things, you know, fault tolerance, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, none of the things that I necessarily need on my side, um, but really, really cool stuff. So if you're if you're considering using Scout, you've not used it before, or you're not super happy with the existing driver you're using, you should definitely check out TypeSense. And uh, like I said, we'll throw this comparison in the notes. Excellent. Moving on to the news now, Laravel 11 is introducing a dumpable trait. And whilst the trait itself is technically new in Laravel 11, the trait itself is serving to consolidate the idea of dump and DD as chainable methods in a reusable trait so that classes don't have to manually implement them all separately. Application developers and package authors alike can benefit from the new Illuminate support trait to easily add debugging methods in chainable classes. In Laravel 10, for example, we already had the ability to chain a DD call or a dump call into various framework classes like Carbon and Stringable and the Query Builder mm-hmm. and, and Test Response. So you could do something like um, Carbon Now, Arrow, Add Day, and then you can dump and then chain on Add Minute and then dump and chain on Add Second. So you can get dump calls so that you can see you know, how this affects the, the execution of your carbon call or collections is somewhere that I use it often. So these were methods that had to be created ad hoc in each class separately. If you've ever used macroball and things like that, there's also the um, conditionable trait, for example. These things are all kind of able to be used across the framework in different places and even in your own application code. By moving this functionality into a dumpable trait, it makes it easy to kind of extend all of these framework classes with these things, but also put them into your own um, code as well. So definitely check that one out. It will be exceedingly useful uh, to to implement that, especially if you've got these builder-based implementations in your applications. Check it out. What is uh, what does the conditional bull trait do? Does that do the if and when or what? Yeah, does the it do when that? when and unless and and those when kinds and of methods okay. are in there. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. I did not realize that. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually tried to or had to had to try and implement that, implement that myself before. So that's nice to know that's there. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about other things coming to Laravel 11. So we've got... Um, actually, I guess this is the first... Wait, nope. Nope. You just gave the first. This is the second one. Eager load limit is coming to Laravel 11. So eager loading, what is it? Eager loading is when you're loading a model and you have relationships that are with that model. So let's say you have a user and you have blog posts that are related to that user. One way to do this, if you wanted to see all the blog posts that belong to a user, would be to grab a user from the uh, database and then just say user posts inside of the... um, inside of your blade, right? And that's that's fine, uh, that works. But what if you have multiple users that you're pulling, right? 
and you want to load all the posts for those. Well, now you get into this situation where if you don't load these ahead of time, you're going to have to make a query for every single one of the authors to get all of their posts that belong to them. Or you can use eager loading. And the way that you do this is you query for the users that you want, and then you say with, and you pass along the name of the relationship that you want to um, load in advance. This makes your queries much more efficient, loads them all into um, into memory, and then spits them out for you using much less queries than it would take if you were going to do them uh, all manually there. So the, the challenge here is that in the case that you don't want to load all of the posts that belong to those users, let's say you only want to show each author and the first three posts that they have, loading all of their posts into memory would be a, a waste. Mm-hmm. So what this new uh, release does in February, uh, sorry, uh, the release of Laravel 11, what it will have is support for limiting the number of results that are eager loaded per parent. So what you do here is you say user with, and then you specify the name of that relationship posts. And then uh, you that's the key. And then you set the value of that to a closure, which will then say limit the query to five, right? Arrow limit You'll be able to see this more clearly in code. Uh, Twitter put, uh, sorry, Taylor put a post out on Twitter about this. Um, but in the blog post here as well, it'll show you uh, the code snippet that will allow you to limit the number of results that are pulled back for each particular user or for any related model. Um, mm-hmm. Using Laravel 10 or less, it's still conveniently possible via, via a uh, eager load limit package. And it's already out there if you need that for Laravel 10. But now it will be natively supported out of the box with Laravel 11. So pretty cool. Very nice. Yeah, I, th- I think key to that is that it was previously intuitive that you would chain on that limit to an eager load, but it just didn't do anything. So this is kind of making that possible um, without, you know, third-party package. And, and Jonas Stoudenmere that, that wrote that package is the one that's responsible for bringing that into the framework. So it's exciting to have that in. Because I know that I have on a number of occasions tried to, to limit the number of eager loaded records and obviously it not worked. So <laughs> thanks right, for joining right. us for that. Uh, the other Laravel 11 thing we have here is a article and accompanying video from Eric and Paul. They've done the, the tag team here, which dives into the new streamlined directory structure in Laravel 11. So if you've been following on Twitter, Taylor has uh, put some posts out about this over the last few months uh, at least, but this is talking about streamlining the config directory, removing some of the you know console kernel, some of the middleware stuff, you know, just shuffling around where things are and how the default framework things are kind of part of the framework now rather than being pulled down into your application's skeleton when you start a new project. So we've, we've actually reduced from a fresh Laravel 10 app, 217 files are included in Dang. that base thing. In Laravel 11, that is now 148. So it's a, it's a reduction of, of, you know, 70 or so, 60 or so files. And it just streamlines the whole process. And then you do all of your bootstrapping in one place. So in the bootstrap app.php file, you can say, you know, I want to use uh, this as, a, as my base path. So the current directory with providers, with any routing and, you know, your route files are defined in there, your middleware is defined in there, exceptions all in one place rather than jumping around. So this all serves to kind of simplify the onboarding process for someone who's approaching Laravel for the first time without having to go and look at, you know, a dozen or so config files and and jumping to the console kernel or the HTTP kernel or a route service provider to, to, to configure routes and things like that. Of course, 
You can bring all of these config files back using Artisan Config Publish. You can publish specific files, so Artisan Config Publish database or logging, or if you just call Artisan Config Publish, it will publish everything and you get all of that right back in your application. Um, the database directory has been cleaned up. The routes directory has been cleaned up as well. So you don't get API and channels by default. If you're not using those, it just comes with console and web. The test directory has been tidied up. It no longer includes the creates application trait in your app skeleton. If you upgrade from your Laravel 10 project, you can remove the trait as it's now provided as part of the base test case included in the framework. You can learn more about that and more in general from Taylor when he presents at Laracon EU next week. Very cool. Look, the config directory thing is weird, right? So there's nothing inside of it other than mm-hmm. the get keep file. That's that's yep. it. Um, yep. which is definitely gonna be I think J Mac got his wish on this one. I think this was yeah. Jason McCurry. He was really pushing for this um as a way to make it easier to upgrade. The config files are one spot where a lot of people get tripped up. They mm-hmm. modify the garbage out of their config files. Right. And then when you go to update it, it's like, if you get it's that hard wrong. To, yeah, it's hard it to separate really your difficult. changes from, from yes. the things that have changed in the framework. And the majority of those files are configurable by environment variable. So it kind of makes sense to hoist all that up into the framework. And Laravel has always provided this mergeability of config files so you can always merge stuff into and that's how it kind of cascades from what's in the framework to what's in the package uh, in, in your application to what's in packages it kind of all merges together so that you know you don't have to publish the entire file to change a couple of keys for example if you pull in a package file you can grab you know all of the stuff that's defined in the package and then you'll get back um all of the stuff like you only have to set then the keys that you want to override in your application's config file. So it just makes things a little bit simpler. Um, but yeah, yeah, just stripping all of that out makes upgrading easier because you don't have to worry about, you know, making sure that you change your application files to match what is in the new application skeleton, because you can just assume that all of those changes have been made within the framework already. Right. And I guess what I'd say too is, You know, this is assuming you need to change nothing in those config files. I don't know if it's necessarily even frowned upon that you would publish and change them. It's just like if you're using Mm -hmm. all the Laravel default things, then you're fine. Don't don't bother publishing them. It's one less thing you have to upgrade. But in a lot of ours, for example, like we're gonna have different database connections and not not ones that you can just change with ENVs. Like we need to have like a secondary database connection Mm -hmm. or in like um File systems, for sure. We usually have a ton of different disks defined in there. Yeah. Um, you know, logging, for example, we have like paper trail and syslog stuff. That one actually we could probably get away without doing because I think they have paper trail in there um, by default. So yeah, that that should be good. That is always a scary thing though when you're um, when you're upgrading an app from 9 to 10, whatever. It's like, ooh, those configs always make me a little bit nervous. So that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Okay, so... Next, we have Aspen. What is Aspen? Aspen is a speedier and smarter API testing outshining Postman and Insomnia. So if you've not used any of these tools, Postman, Insomnia, these are all items that allow you to define endpoints and define headers and authorization and parameters and then post that or get that or patch that through to that URL and see the response right in a nice little convenient user interface. So when you're building an API, integrating an API, 
you typically reach for these desktop applications will allow you to create and send those and then have this graphical interface. So uh, Treble is the name of the company who's launched this, their latest developer tool for APIs, which is Aspen. So it's a lightweight Mac app uh, that's an alternative to those two things I mentioned before, Postman and, or Insomnia, which I'm a Postman type of guy. Uh, it focuses on privacy first so that any requests uh, that you make through the application won't be synced in the background anywhere. They're only stored locally. And this is this is really important, depending on how sensitive the data is or the APIs that you're interacting with. And if you're talking about banking APIs or something, you don't really necessarily want your environment variables in that tool getting synced up to some cloud system, right? So it makes sense that you would want to use something that's privacy first, where it's just going to store those items locally. So you can revisit those API requests, not just the requests, but the responses too, right there on your local machine. Um, the author here, and I'm trying to figure out who is the author, Steve McDougal. Okay, Steve McDougal. Um, he mentions here, one of the things that always bugged him about Postman and Insomnia was that the response data was lost, lost after a period of time. It does. It just kind of goes away. Uh, so you had to try and get everything done without closing that tab. Otherwise, you have to make another request and start all over again. I will say, by the way, you can save responses in uh, Postman conveniently, actually. You just click Save Response and it saves it right underneath the item there. So Steve, if you didn't know that, there you go. Um, so why, why use it? What's, what makes this different? It's 10 times faster than Postman at making HTTP, HTTP requests and seven times faster than Insomnia. Why is that? Well, it's because neither of those applications are natively built for Mac. I believe both of those are on Electron actually. Um, but they're also the, the business goals of those companies aren't aligned with the developer, right? They're trying to get people to sign up and, um, trying to understand how you're interacting with those APIs so they can upsell you. Aspen is free. It's it's a free tool that Trouble created for the API community that doesn't push your log and your teams, doesn't want to know about your API requests. It's just going to work for you on your machine. All requests you make are lightning fast, but also 100% private. Um, so it's your data unless you choose to share it. Um, if you want more information on this, I think you should read it. This is almost more of a tutorial than an announcement. Uh, but Steve has a couple items here where he goes through and shows you how you might be able to use it. I'm definitely going to check this one out. I use Postman all the time, all the time. And so if this one is a better uh, better mousetrap, you might check it out. And and also Postman is always asking me, bugging me to uh, to sign up. Sign up, stuff. sign in. Yeah. Sign up, sign I in. think that was the, the downside with Insomnia when they made that change to make it sign in and you had to create a cloud account and then it gets into this murky territory especially with proprietary apis and things that you're building internally the fact that that stuff gets shipped off it may not always gel with your application or your you know your, your company or whatever else so it's nice to have some options out there Absolutely. All right. Last piece of news is that Laravel Live UK has announced details for this year's conference. Joining over 300 Laravel and PHP enthusiasts for inspirational talks, engaging networking and amazing learning opportunities. Talks are focused specifically on Laravel and its ecosystem and they'll be diving deep into Laravel and related technologies. Laravel Live UK is thrilled to announce an exciting expansion of the organizing team, joining forces with John T. Bear this year, R. Joe Dixon and James Brooks which is nice, both of them working for the Laravel company. Early bird tickets are on sale as we speak. Uh, you can join their mailing list to get first dibs and call for papers is open. So if you have a story, an insight or an experience to share, they're inviting submissions for their CFP. This year, they're looking for a range of talk lengths from 10-minute lightning talks through medium-length 
20 minute talks and full length 30 minute talks. Laravel Live UK will be at the Shaw Theatre in London on the 18th and 19th of June 2024. And I believe that they have announced that Matt Stauffer and Eric Barnes, our fearless leader, will be speaking. Oh, nice. This year. So check it out. As I said, CFP is open. Tickets are on sale at the moment. You can catch the 2023 highlights on the website. It is a wonderful event. And it's so nice to have these in-person events back across the world for as many of the community to get out there and enjoy them as possible. Very nice. Hey, let's talk about uh, Pest and PHP unit, shall we? Everybody likes testing and everybody also likes Spassi, right? Spassi mm-hmm. recently released a new package called Tabular Assertions. So let's talk about this real quick. If you're using Pest or using PHP unit, uh, what you might end up with is a situation where you want to uh, test a particular function or a method call, uh, but you want to vary the inputs and test different outputs, right? So for example, you might want to say these two numbers will add up. Input one is one, input two is two, output expected is three. Um, so that's all good. That works That works fine. You can use data providers to do so. However, um, inspired by Jest's test each table syntax, the the Spassi team has made something similar for both Pest and PHP units. So if you've done something in, um, or if you've ever created like a table in Markdown, and you can kind of see the tabular you know data on that table, you can now do that same thing inside of your tests, and it will use that as your data provider. So you <laughs> say expect order items to match table. And then you can pass in a table, like a markdown style table that it will use to both feed in the data and then make your assertions. So again, it works with both of those, Pest and PHP unit. Um, it's, the nice thing about this is that it's immediately readable. You can look at the table and you can know exactly what the inputs yeah. are, exactly what the expected outputs are. That's, that's really the biggest benefit here, right? Um, it also kind of feels fun. Um, you know, it's, it just looks nice and we all like making stuff look pretty. So. That's that's one of the benefits too. So what are the things? Why are the reasons that you should use this? What are the main features? You can handwrite expectations in an easy to read tabular format. Error messages are clear. It works for both Pest and PHP unit. It supports custom assertions and supports dynamic values. So you can check it out on the show notes and get that installed and get started writing tabular assertions. Thanks, Paul Redman, for writing that one up. The Apex Charts plugin for Filament by Leandro Ferreira brings the popular Apex charting library to your Laravel applications. The plugin uses the same APIs as the Apex chart library, so you can use the official documentation as a configuration reference for creating a chart in Filament as you would for the JavaScript library. The package also supports filtering widget data, live updating through polling, deferred loading, a loading indicator, dark mode, and more. The plugin supports a ton of charts through Apex, which you can see in the demo application, but to give you a taste there is an area chart a bar chart a box plot a heat map pie chart a polar area chart radar radial bars tree maps and more to start with this plugin in your filament project you can check out the plugin page on the filament website and the apex chart documentation is another excellent resource to see the full list of configuration options for your charts interesting charts are one of those things that's always sort of it's hard to pick you know, which one do I use? And so having it already integrated with uh, a library that you're using already, such as Filament, 
uh, makes it easier. Just a little bit easier to choose one and uh, and integrate it. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Curlwind. So Curlwind is a no-build tailwind to get the CSS utility classes that you want. It allows you to generate tailwind style sheets on demand and those generated style sheets are cached indefinitely so your st- so your site stays fast. Okay, so imagine this. Um have you ever used Michael, have you ever used the like play tailwind mm-hmm. CDN thing? Yeah, right. So what that does is that's JavaScript, not CSS, right? It's JavaScript mm-hmm. and what it does is it will loop over your page, look at for any tailwind classes and then build a style sheet for you and then ship it to your page, right? Right. <clears throat> Works great, no build step necessary, but it's not intended for production use. Um you can do it, but they they say you shouldn't, right? You shouldn't use it in production that way. Right. So Curlwind, I feel like, borrows that idea, sort of. Um, and, and kind so of what inverts you do it. Then, yeah. Mm, like you have to specify suppose, yeah, the utilities you that you specify. want, as opposed right. to it parsing out your, your uh, document to find out what is being used. That's correct. But it still doesn't require you to do a build stuff, right? So right. It's the, the author of the project basically says it's for niche use cases, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's useful for cases where you don't want to have a build step um, or you want to introduce Tailwind to an existing project in a limited capacity. Um, uh, so yeah, you don't need to install Node. You don't need to install Tailwind. You don't need to configure Tailwind. You don't need any build step, no watchers. Mm-hmm. And the way that you include it is just by putting in the header of your site a link, href, cdn.curlwind.com, question mark, right? So you're passing arguments here. Classes equals... And then inside that classes equals, you'd specify which utilities you want as query params to this CDN location. So again, what it will do is it will build that style sheet for you, cache it indefinitely so that you can use this in production. Not a problem to use it in production because it caches it at that CDN location and you should be all set, all fine to go. Hmm. Um, you can learn more about this project at curlwind.com. I love these sorts of little things. This this stuff is so fun, um, especially stuff if I'm just... You know, like if I just want some utility classes for, like I said, like no build stuff, I'm just like, I'm building like a Cloudflare pages deal. I don't want to deal with the build stuff. I just want to push out some static HTML out there. Um, This is great for that. Yeah. All right. What have we got here? Download over 1500 Google fonts into your Laravel project. Laravel Web Fonts is a package that allows you to easily download, install, and preload over 1500 Google fonts locally in your Laravel project. Using Laravel prompts, you can quickly search for fonts and install them via the command line. When following the prompts, the package will download the fonts to your project, generate a font.css style sheet, and you can then load this CSS file into your primary style sheet. The package simplifies the steps required to add a font. So if you ever use Google fonts, you know that you've got to yeah. go to the Google fonts website. You've got to yep, find yep. the font you want. You've got to you know generate the, the font set that you want, create the font face, CSS, at rules, um, and then do all that. So this does all of that for you. In a in a nice, easy to use way, um, so yeah, check it out. You can get more information about the package, installation instructions, and the source code on GitHub. But we'll have links to it all in the show notes. Very nice, very nice. Okay, one other package here: creating dynamic discounts with custom conditions on Laravel with the Discountify package. So Discountify is a Laravel package that allows you to manage dynamic discounts with custom conditions. Uh, so what does that mean? You can use the package to create flexible conditions around discounts using the condition class. 
So for example, if items are, if there's more than two items, you can apply a 10% discount. So you say condition, dodop, define more than two products, 10, right? And then what you do is you pass a closure. So you name it, you name the thing, the, the condition, right? Then you specify how you're going to determine if that condition is true. So in this case, you pass a closure, you pass the items, and then you count them and determine if it's true. And if it is, then you give a percentage discount off. Um, you can also define like if the client is up for renewal within 10 days. So you can say auth user has renewal within 10 days, then give them a X percent discount, right? The documentation has a lot of examples of more complex conditions around dates or special items that can apply even more discounts. Uh, but once you create the conditions, you can then pass items of data to them. You could set global discounts, taxes, etc. And then you can get the total back. So discountify, set items, you set the items that are going to be used, set the global discounts, set global tax rates, you can do those optional discounts, and then grab the totals or the total with discounts. So it does all those calculations for you. So the package is still relatively new. But the idea of the package is, is pretty awesome. I can take in an array uh, or set a model of products and then conditionally apply discounts based on those items, based on the user that's currently buying those items. Um, pretty cool. Really, really cool stuff. It, it feels really well thought out and like a very difficult problem to solve, which has been smoothed over, I guess, if mm -hmm. you will. We we recently were literally just talking about this. We're like, how do we apply discounts to people whose accounts are closing within the next 60 days. You know, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. I was like, well, we're going to have to run a background job and then see if it's there. It's like with this, that doesn't, that's not how you, it doesn't have to do that way. You can do it yeah. some other way. So yeah, it's just interesting. I, I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Beauty. All right. The one tutorial we have here and the last item on our list for today is handling bulk imports in filament. This is a tutorial from Alex Six, who is the developer relations person, person, developer relations person at Filament, and he's going to walk you through uh, setting up your application, getting all the relevant context, setting up CSV importers, um, and how to use the import action, the importer class, and all of that functionality to build out a CSV import mapping functionality, defining rules and and some polish. Uh, around all of this stuff for you. It's a, it's a very in-depth article and it's something that I'm sure lots of us have had to do in the past. So definitely check it out, especially if you are using or have thought about using filament in your applications. We have links to it all in the show notes for you. Very cool. Well, folks, I think that wraps our episode this time. Which we are at, how long do we got, Michael? I can't, I don't know where to look at 38. this. On this 38, that's pretty good. I'd say that's pretty good. Uh, episode 207 is in the books, folks. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 207. Uh, if you liked the show, we'd really appreciate it. If you would rate it up in your podcatcher of choice, five stars would be amazing. Hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. If you want to sponsor this show, because you really love what we do and you'd like to get in front of all those amazing Laravel developers out there, you can also hit us up at Laravel News. That would be incredible. All right, folks, until next time, we will see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye